establishing the law and gospel on this Insight Wednesday, August the 22nd in the year of our Lord 2018. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and today we're going to be taking a look at an email we received and responding to it with, I think, an insight that a lot of people have never heard. Here's the email. In John 6, Jesus says, whoever drinks his blood and eats his flesh will have eternal life. In Leviticus 17, the Lord told Moses that the people should not eat blood. The life is in the blood and it was given to the people to make atonement. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Is there a long gospel explanation that ties these Old Testament and New Testament verses together? As I have said many a time on law and gospel, and I'm just a super plagiarist, so I just kind of quote other people that I think really make wonderful statements. C.F.W. Walther made this wonderful statement that there's probably no book in the whole world that appears to have more contradictions in it than the Bible. And then he did a year and a half of lectures to seminary students helping them to see how a lot of times these contradictions come up because of a misuse of law and gospel. And he also goes ahead and uses the distinctions between law and gospel to help us understand that there are no contradictions in the Bible. So this certainly seems to be a contradiction, does it not? Jesus says, Whoever drinks his blood and eats my flesh will have eternal life. In fact, let, let me read to you the exact English translation of John 6, verse 53. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. If that doesn't seem to be a direct contradiction to Leviticus, where it says the Lord told the people that they should not eat blood. Well, how do we understand this? And here's my bigger problem. If Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you, do you know how many people have not ever participated in receiving the Lord's Supper? And I'm not just talking about Christian religions that don't believe it's the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about everybody in the Old Testament. Are we going to say, because Abraham did not receive the Lord's Supper, that therefore he has no life in him? So this email, and this is why I love emails, because I'm a pastor trained in theology. When I go talk to a doctor, he knows thousands of things that I don't have any knowledge of. But I trust his judgment, and therefore if I'm supposed to take a particular pill for something, I'm going to do it. Even though I don't know how that pill is made up, etc. If I want to know that, I can become a pharmacist. But similarly, lay people do not have the knowledge 
of theology to be able to be able to explain what appears to be apparent contradictions in the Bible. That's why it's necessary to have a church with a proper pastor who speaks the word of God in its purity and administers the sacraments rightly. In fact, when I made the point in last week's sermon that a lot of times the English can mislead you because you don't know what the original language is, somebody came to me and said, well, when I read my Bible, how do I know what I'm reading is correct or not? And I said, that's why God instituted the church with pastors. People who say they don't have to go to church are definitely saying, therefore, I'm like Jesus. I know the scriptures, and I not only know the knowledge of the scripture, I also understand the proper interpretation. Well, that's just not true. That's just not true. In fact, when we do our hymns with Mark Smith, how many times have we said, how is a child going to understand this word? And then Mark Smith helps explain it. And so that's why we're encouraging you, find out what the hymns that are going to be sung in Sunday service are and go over them with your children uh, during the week. So when they get to church, they're not only hearing something they're familiar with, but they also understand it. So here's my question. When Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you, who, when you hear that, does not immediately think that Jesus is talking about the Lord's Supper? That unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And I've already pointed out, if that were an accurate conclusion and interpretation then you'd have to conclude there would be no life in anyone who does not receive the Lord's Supper. Now, I was pastor of a congregation in St. Louis for 28 years. I was not in communion fellowship with at least 20% of the members. I'm not saying non-members. I mean members. I would not give them communion, at least 20%. Who were they? They were the children who had not yet been confirmed because we believe that it's necessary to understand what's going on in the Lord's Supper before receiving it or else you get some real negative consequences according to 1 Corinthians 11. Now, if they have not received the Lord's Supper and what Jesus is saying about eating my flesh and drinking my blood refers to the Lord's Supper, are we to say that these children have no spiritual life in them? But they've been baptized. They believe. So what is Jesus talking about? One of the things that I have as a kind of a proposition in understanding reality is that we pastors really don't say too much that you're not already aware of. It's just that you're unaware that you're aware of it. In other words, I believe, and this is my technique, by asking questions, you can come to a decision, oh, that's right, that's what I do believe. So, here's the question. When you talk about the Lord's Supper, 
What do you confess that you are receiving when you come forward to receive the bread and the wine? Do you not confess that you're receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ? That's correct. But did you listen carefully to what Jesus said? He does not say, unless you eat the body of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. He says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man. Oh, well, what's the difference between flesh and body? Well, the way you find that out, and this is another way of resolving apparent contradictions, is to take a closer look at the original languages. If you take a look at John 6:53 in the Greek, Jesus says, "Unless you eat my flesh," and the Greek word is sarx, s a r x. If you wanted to transliterated into English. But in 1 Corinthians 11, when he talks about eating his body, the word is not sarx, but soma, S-O-M-A. They're very, very important. So Jesus isn't talking about that you have no life in you if you don't eat my body and blood, which would be referring to the Lord's Supper, He's talking about his flesh and blood. What's the difference? Well, John 6.51 kind of helps us. Here's what it says. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Notice he doesn't say is my body. And of course the Jews then have a big argument. How can this man give us flesh to eat? And it is at that point Jesus says unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in you. Well Jesus has already said something in verse 51 that could be quite shocking. He says... I am the living bread. Now, in a lot of languages, unlike English, where if you say I am, that's two different words, uh, a lot of languages, it's just a one word. And in Greek, it's M-E, E-I-M-I, I am. But there's another word for the word I, ego. What Jesus says here is not Emmy, the living bread, ego emmy. Now, why would he say that? Because that's the Greek way of referring to the name of God that Moses heard in Exodus at the burning bush. What's your name? I am who I am. In fact, when Jesus talks about ego emmy in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember the soldiers fall back. They're shot because he's using the name of God. He's saying he's God. Now, this is really important. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Is he talking about the Lord's Supper here? No. 
He says, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, God does not have flesh. The Father is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. And Jesus is a spirit until he became incarnate. What does that mean? It's uh, kind of from the Latin about taking on human flesh. What Jesus is talking about in John 6 is not the Lord's Supper, but his incarnation where he became a human being. Why did he have to become a human being? Because he was coming to pay for the sins of human beings, and a human being needs to pay for the sins of human beings. In Revelation 5, for example, there's a strong angel, a good angel, and he is unable to do anything to save human beings. But Jesus, even in Revelation 5, appears as a slain lamb, and he became a human being for the purpose of taking upon himself the punishment of human beings. Therefore, when it talks about Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. What is he talking about? To feed on his flesh and drink his blood means that we believe that he truly became a human being for the salvation of our souls. This is really important. In fact, in verse 56, he says... Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now, Jesus is saying this prior to the institution of the Lord's Supper. Now, I think the institution of the Lord's Supper is really critical because a lot of times God does not want us just to rely on our faith, that we have sufficient faith to know that therefore we're feeding on his flesh and drinking his blood spiritually. So he has given us his very body and blood in the sacrament with a promise attached to it so that we can have the assurance that what Jesus is saying is true. But in the context, he's talking about himself as the bread that came down from heaven. And we're to eat that bread. Therefore, we're to eat his flesh. And how does that come about? Through faith in his incarnation. Verse 58. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Now, Jesus didn't look like a loaf of bread. So when he talks about feeding on this bread... It's another way of talking about faith in him as the incarnate one who has come to take away the sins of the world. That's really, really an important point, which means Abraham had life in him because he fed on this bread. How did he do that? By believing the promise of God that Sarah would have a child named Isaac even though it took 25 years. Now, in case you still don't get it, that it is through faith 
that Jesus says you eat his flesh and blood. Listen to verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And he's talking about your flesh. You can do all the good works you want. You'll never get life. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Remember in Romans, faith comes by hearing the word of God. In fact, we have a prayer that talks about that we digest the word. In other words, we're talking about eating his flesh and blood. Right after that, uh, Jesus says, but there are some of you who do not believe. So Jesus ties faith directly into eating the bread of life, which he is. Now, some of the disciples just are so confused that they walk away from him. And Jesus says to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. What does it mean to be the Holy One of God? It means to be the Messiah. It means to be the Son of Man. That means one who has been enfleshed. At one time, God now having two natures, divine and human. You can take a look at a number of passages in the Bible where Sarks is really important tying in to faith in Jesus. For example, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me And the life which I now live in the sarks, that means in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Therefore, in the context of the whole scripture, to eat the flesh and drink the blood of Christ is to believe that Christ has come in the flesh and he truly and really is man. His blood is shed for your sins. And it is therefore to partake of and enjoy the wonderful blessings that you have received from him, such as redemption, pardon, peace, justification. This is what's really being talked about here. The flesh and blood of the Son of Man refers to the Redeemer in the nature of a human being, Christ crucified, and the redemption worked out by him with all the precious benefits that I've already mentioned. These are called the flesh and blood of Christ because they are purchased by the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. And because they are meat and drink to our souls. Therefore, in John 6, eating this flesh and drinking this blood means believing in Christ. We partake of Christ and his benefits by faith. 
the soul that rightly knows its condition, namely of being a poor, miserable sinner deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment, finds what can calm the conscience and promote true holiness in the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who has manifested himself in the flesh. Remember, we have a season of epiphany, epiphanos, which to be translated means to manifest himself. And during the whole season, we see Jesus manifesting himself as the Messiah. Kind of passage after passage. We live because of him. As our bodies live by our food. We live by him as the members. Because he is the head, we're the branches. Because he lives, we also shall live. Therefore, infants who do not receive the Lord's Supper, they still have life in them because in baptism they have eaten his flesh and drank his blood through the faith given to them by the Holy Spirit. I can prove that. John the baptizer, before he was born, leaps in the womb for joy when he realizes that Jesus has come into the room. And how big is Jesus? Well, he's in the womb of Mary. It said that Elizabeth is six months pregnant with John, but Jesus wouldn't be much larger than a pinhead. Because as soon as Gabriel told Mary, you will conceive, she immediately went to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth recognized her as the mother of her Lord. We do want to underscore the great gift we receive in the Lord's Supper. Because there we receive not only the benefits of his sarks, his flesh that he became, but also his broken body on the cross and his shed blood. So there really is no contradiction in the Bible. But getting back to the email, if Leviticus says that the people should not eat blood, then how come we say we received the body and blood of our Lord Jesus in the sacrament? Well, the email writer gave the answer in this sentence. The life is in the blood. That's really important. That, that's why there was a real caution at the time of Paul why Christians should not eat meat sacrificed to idols because many people thought, as they have been taught when they were idolaters, that by eating the meat offered to idols, they were therefore worshiping the idol and becoming part of the idol. Well, you don't want to become a part of a lamb or any other sacrificial meat. But if the life is in the blood and you are instructed to receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ, guess what you are receiving? You're receiving his life. He is within you. That's why there's no contradiction 
between Leviticus and the rest of the Bible. As email writer says, Jesus is the Lamb of God. It's of some interest at the Lord's Supper, it appears that they did not have any lamb at the Lord's Supper when he instituted his body and blood because Jesus was the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. And in Revelation 5, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, when they're all worried that no one has been worthy enough to save human beings, Jesus appears as a slain lamb. To receive the blood of Jesus is to receive his life, which can't come from any other animal. And that's why a proper understanding of the Lord's Supper is critical in receiving its benefits. So, how many of you knew that when Jesus says flesh and blood, those are different Greek words for flesh than when he says body and blood? And it helps us to understand, therefore, that there is no contradiction in the Bible. A lot of you have been hearing about the horrendous situation with priests accused of fooling around with children. Some wondering, why aren't they excommunicated? We're going to talk about that tomorrow on Rumination Thursday with Wes Reimnitz. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.